Welcome to another episode of the Case Conley Podcast. Whoa. We have two series that are 3-0 in the NBA. What is going on? Obviously in the East, the Boston Celtics down 3-0. Miami's just been the better team. They've just wanted it more. Their players have just played better. Kind of simple as that. I think the real conversation that we have to have about Boston is what is the issue? That's the number one thing that we need to talk about. It's not coaching. You may Udoka took him to the finals. Joe Mazzulla taking him to the Eastern Conference finals. Two different coaches, two different results. I don't think it's the coaching. It's the roster. When I look at the roster, it's two players. It's Jason Tatum and it's Jalen Brown. Maybe they just don't work. Maybe it's just that they don't work. I mean, I think Al Horford has given you very little production out of his minutes that you see from him. I think Robert Williams at times has been good. Once again, the injuries, not outside presence at all. I think he's given them good minutes, though. Malcolm Brogdon has been good. Derek White has been good. It's just something's with with that power dynamic of Tatum and Brown. It just it just doesn't work. And I I I don't quite know if we'll ever figure out truly what it is, but it just doesn't work. And I'm not saying that we just absolutely have to just blow this thing up and move on. I'm not I'm not saying that, but we need to think about it. And we need to look at some of the options. Uh, am I saying blowing it up? No. I, I think if they decide to just run this team back, but the city of Boston will not just let them do that. The NBA world will not let them do that. They've once again disappointed. When I think last year, they were the better team than Golden State. They got beat by Steph Curry. I think this year, the Miami Heat are a better team. Or excuse me, I think Boston's a better team than Miami. Jimmy's hurting them. You just having role players step up big. I mean, I think Caleb Barton has been massive in this series. He hit another four threes in game three. Gabe Vincent, obviously, 29 leading score. He was fantastic. Seven guys in double figures. Miami, fantastic. But it's just this Boston team. I don't know what it is. And it'll be interesting to see. And, and I think this is a good question that I think people are really asking themselves are, if you're Boston... Do you keep Jason Tatum or do you keep Jalen Brown? And I think when you first hear that, you think, you think without a doubt, oh, Jason Tatum. Of course, Jason Tatum. Why not Jason Tatum? I mean, he's been almost MVP caliber, all NBA player, first, first team, second team. And I agree. I think they should keep Jason Tatum. I'll be 100%. I think Tatum, I'd rather have Tatum than Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown is a fantastic player. I think he's fantastic. Maybe the scenery just isn't right. Because are you going to fire Joe Mazzulla? I mean, you could after one year. But, I mean, is that the look Brad Stevens really wants to give? I mean, I wouldn't really touch 
some of the other things. So, so I think the other, the final option it has is you need to rebuild the role players. And I think that's probably the option they're going to take. I think Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, two great role players who shouldn't leave. Other than that, I think there's room for adjustments. Obviously, I think, well, I think you can throw Brogdon in the role player mix too. But those five, I would say, you know, you ride with. Maybe that's your five. But Al Horford, Grant Williams, I mean, guys like Peyton Pritchard, even Derek White hasn't had the consistency that we typically see. It, it, maybe it's time to just reload. And, and I know, I think Daniel Gallinari, he was supposed to be in this picture. Obviously, he wasn't with the injury that he had. Torn ACL, so he and that he suffered this previous summer playing internationally. Obviously, he wasn't able to be a part of this team, but they seem to rebuild those role positions. I'd like to see some more guys that can just create their shot. I think that's an issue that they really do have, especially when Tatum or Brown are off the court. Brogdon is, yeah, Brogdon's a good, good score, but he doesn't create necessarily create for himself. And like their thing is, you need some true shooters. I mean, you you kind of have guys on the court who just are shooters, but just don't shoot well. Al Horford just hasn't shot well. Grant Williams is can't can't really shoot. Peyton Pritchard hasn't shown the sustained consistency. Derek White hasn't shown the sustained consistency. I think they just need more shooters in that. Brogdon's not the greatest shooter. Smart, I think, is a solid shooter. Obviously, Robert Williams is going to give you anything. I think they miss some shooting. And that's been kind of shown in the series because one thing Miami, Miami has one big advantage, a couple of big advantages, but the one big one is that they've been a lot better from three and they have a lot of different guys who can shoot them. We've seen Gabe Vincent. We've seen Caleb Martin. We've seen Max Struess. We've seen Duncan Robinson. We've seen Jimmy Butler. Not even counting Tyler Hero. But I think the three ball has been a big factor in the series. And Boston does not have as many shooters and guys out there that can knock him down like Miami does. I think that's one of the big flaws that this Boston team has, and it needs to be figured out. Similarly to some of the flaws that Los Angeles Lakers have, as they're down 3-0. I predicted the Denver Nuggets to win the championship. I think they're going to win the championship. And we've seen why they're the best team. Because they have the best five. They have the best five players that they can put on the court at one time. It's that simple. They have the best five. And they place very well together. That's one thing is they, they, they rem- kind of reminds me of like 2016 Golden State. They just play so well together. They all know their weaknesses. They all know their strengths. And they all know how to play to it. Obviously, another factor is Jamal Murray has been, Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic have been absolutely fantastic. I mean, that's, of course, on top of that. But, I mean, they go with the smaller bench. And if you're going to go with the smaller bench, you need your smaller bench guys to be an extension of a starting lineup. Like, when I look at Grant Williams and Payne Pritchard, that's not an extension of the offensive lineup. Bruce Brown is. Jeff Green is. So, I mean, I th- that's one thing to definitely look at. When, when we look at this series, uh, another factor, especially for the Lakers, is A, transition defense has been horrible. And 
And I, I, especially game one and two, I saw game one first half was some of the worst NBA transition defense I have ever seen. It was absolutely atrocious from Los Angeles Lakers. They got ran out of the building in the first half. It was a great comeback that they had. To be honest with you, it was a fantastic comeback, but it's just so disappointing. So obviously we'll just have to see how the Lakers bounce back in game four. I think the Nuggets will win game four. I think they'll sweep the Lakers. But one thing I don't like is D'Angelo Russell playing. Why is D'Angelo Russell still starting and playing games? I don't like D'Angelo Russell. I think he's very overrated. He takes a lot of bad shots. Sometimes he makes the bad shots. When he's he is a fantastic player when he doesn't force anything. He plays at a pace. It's fantastic. But he thinks he's James Harden and he's not. It's shown this series. As he's shooting 14% from three and 29% from the field. With a combined 21 points through three games. And that's your starting point guard and supposedly second option. Due to the fact that he can't even get on the court because he can't play defense. That's one issue I see. Jared Vanderbilt is fantastic defensively. I think he's been good. But Jamal Murray is still going off, and we're still playing Jared Vanderbilt. Obviously not we, but they're still playing Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, there's no reason for this. I mean, he scored six points through three games in almost 30 minutes of play. 40 minutes of play. I mean, it's such a lack offensively. And it's why I think Reeves and Hachimura have have had to carry so much of the load. I mean, we're not going to see as much from Dennis Schroeder. I mean, I think that's very understandable. He's guarding the best, uh, attempting to guard the best player pretty much on the other team. Point guard, at least. He, he can't really score. He's kind of redefined himself. That's why there's no point. Why not have Lonnie Walker in there? He's younger. He's more explosive than D'Lo. He's going to do pretty much the same offensively, but take less bad shots. He's going to play a little bit more defense. That's one thing that I see. Another thing is, why is Malik Beasley not playing? I mean, this is a guy who played in Denver. Knows knows what it's like to play in Denver. Or he he played... I mean, it was four... four, I mean, of course, we could say it's four years ago, but he, he knew how to play Denver. He knew how to play with some of these guys. He's played with some of these guys. But why are we not getting him the minutes? Especially when they need some wing shooting. I mean, it's, that hasn't made sense to me either. But this Lakers team, it's still, I, I somebody, I, I believe it was Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, I can't remember which one, but they made a great point. The Lakers honestly exceeded expectations. We couldn't have imagined this. And I know we'll change the tone now. I mean, but this was a team that at the... Great deadline we were laughing at. People were laughing at. I remember the NBA on ESPN, whole crew, Richard Jefferson. They were laughing at the Lakers and laughing at Perkins, who said the Lakers make the West Conference Finals. Laughing at them, saying that they wouldn't even get in. They've overachieved to get here. And I think we've learned now, Rui and Austin Reeves are solid players that can be dependable. And we have now learned guys like Daniel Russell might not fit. I mean, I think that's especially when I look at what what do the Lakers do? Step one is just let D'Lo walk and get rid of D'Lo. Step two, pick what you're going to do with Reeves and Hachimura. 
I think it's an interesting situation. Personally, I look at a team, if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers, I look at a team like the Portland Trailblazers. They have the number three pick in the draft. This is maybe their time to move on from Dame. Why would you not go over there and offer Reeves and a couple first-round picks? Hachimura and a couple first-round picks? Why not? Because eventually, LeBron and AD are going going to leave. LeBron, we know, is going to leave soon. So if you want to give yourself a chance, and especially really chase another one, that's what you do. Because there there is no future for the Lakers. We know this. So I, I feel like, why are we holding off this false reality? Like, the Lakers are holding off this false reality of, like, in six years, they're going to be still really good. Not unless more players come in. I mean, it's that simple. Not unless you're going to get superstars, that's not going to happen. So maybe it's time to go out there and get a superstar. Dak Levine. Like another great giant free agency. Once again, but that, it's not the big sell of LA, Red Van Fleet. But I think Lillard is the sell of LA. And if you can run for at least maybe two years of LeBron, AD, and Lillard, and you put some guys around them that are better, similar to the bubble team that had a lot better players around them. Not even, can't even say better players. Players that just did a lot better and knew their roles a lot better than what these these Lakers do. So it's very it's a very interesting spot for the Lakers. But I mean, looking at another thing that I was looking at was people saying Golden State would have taken Denver. I think it would have been the exact same thing. I mean, Denver's size, Denver's just a bad matchup. And it's why I, I, I think Denver, it's I think Denver matches up a lot better with Miami. They would they there is a lot more mismatches against Miami than against Boston because Boston can guard against the size of Denver a little bit. Miami really can't. And that's one thing that that is very hard to do against this Denver team. It's hard to hide players. Maybe people hide one. One, one. If you're lucky with some of their lineups, you can hide two on defense. You can't hide them against this Denver Nuggets, especially in the starting lineup. And it's why D'Angelo Russell has been absolutely toasted. It's why Austin Reeves has struggled on defensively. He's He's only staying in the game because he's been so good on offense, but defensively, he hasn't really given much either. And uh, now I think you go play Miami. Well, you kind of have to guy hide a guy like Duncan Robinson, Max Drews. I don't know if Kevin Love can you'd like to play Kevin Love off. So it, it, that is an interesting matchup that I think favors Denver a lot more than if they had to play Boston, strictly just due to the size and the matchups. But I did not expect this from Miami. I did not expect this from Denver. I actually had a conversation with a couple of my friends, and they both said that they would rather have Jimmy Butler than Nikola Jokic in the finals if they had to pick a player. And I disagree with that. I, I can understand where it's coming from. And then a lot of them, they were like, look at the team around Jimmy and look what Jimmy's doing. Jimmy beat the Bucs. Okay, well, he beat the Bucs, but Giannis missed three games. But he did beat the Bucs. Okay. I mean, he did beat Boston. But when you look at the team, the team has played well. And I think it's less about, I'm giving enough credit to Jimmy. I think Jimmy's fantastic. 
in my lifetime, Jimmy is one of the better players, top three, top five that I've ever seen with my own eyes, who elevates himself in the postseason. Just what he does. He's just a stud. He's just, sometimes you just have these guys who are studs, and he's just a stud. That's what it is. But look at Nikola Jokic. And I mean, he had a bad game, game three. Nine of 19, one of the, some of the worst shooting that we've seen in this postseason from two of five from three. He only had 24, eight, and six. I mean, that's what we're calling a bad night. I mean, Jamal Murray has been fantastic, don't get me wrong, but the team still runs through Jokic. And I think, especially watching the game, Mike Breen said it a couple times, like that first half, it was very Jamal Murray wanted to score and Jamal Murray got hot and it was letting Jamal Murray just play. He didn't score in the third quarter. The third and fourth quarter, it was interesting because now the Lakers have this idea, which, fair, it's worked. Put Rui on Jokic, AD off the ball. Boom, it fixes everything. AD can now come over and help block shots. Rui can kind of let Jokic shoot, and if he shoots, it's kind of okay, and hopefully he just won't pick you apart. Well, now the issue is, okay, well, Jokic is just going to sit in the post now. Now the issue is, Everybody wants to go see him in the post, and everybody else is hitting one-on-ones everywhere. That's why KCP hit four threes. That's why, I mean, Michael Porter at four threes. Because there's one-on-one everywhere, except we're all looking at Nikola Jokic, who's sitting in the paint. Now, instead of the top of the key, it's in, it's in, the, it's in the block. It's in the post, which is harder to defend. You got to commit more people down there, away from the three-point line. That's right, why we've seen him take 41 threes, and I think they'll probably hit 40 for the rest of the uh, 40 in game four and however many are left in the series if that's how they're going to play him. That's why I'm very interested, too. I really want this Denver-Miami matchup just to see what Coach Spolster decides to do. He likes to play that little zone, but are you really going to try to play his zone against Denver with all the shooting that they have? Maybe you don't do that. Do they put Bam on Jokic? That makes the most sense. That, that, that's going to be interesting to see what Coach Bo do, does, but I think Darvin Ham needs to respond. I think the other thing is they need to let Anthony Davis be the big-time player that, he, that he's supposed to be. I mean, this is what you do. When you have a really good post player and like Nikola Jokic on the other side, you have to make him work. It's just like Steph Curry, the, the age-old thing of let's make Steph Curry work on defense. Hopefully it tires out his legs and he's not as good at all on offense, which in reality is fantastic. Because how would that not work? He's eventually going to get tired. And it does work. And especially getting on matchups. But the issue is, I don't think LA is attacking the matchup enough. I, I think that's the thing, one thing I would like to see is sometimes just need the ball in Anthony Davis's hands. And I think that's what they should be doing is just giving the ball and letting Anthony Davis make some plays with it. Especially with Nikola Jokic on him. Make Nikola Jokic work a little bit. And especially, especially makes a lot more sense if you're going to do that. If you're going to play Anthony Davis off of Jokic, you're saving his body a little bit by not having him guard Jokic. And now he's playing more help side where he can come over and block shots. That's 100% okay. But this is where now you must feed Anthony Davis on offense. And they just haven't been able to do that. I think that's one thing that's really let them down. Really let them down, but yeah, it's a very it's it's a very interesting thing. 
how the matchups have worked in the series. And I think it's going to be obviously an interesting thing to see when we move to the NBA Finals, who I think it will be the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets, obviously both of 3-0. I don't think either of them are going to lose. That's going to be a fun matchup. But anyways, so this will come out Tuesday morning. We'll know whether the Lakers or Denver, whoever won, we'll know that before this podcast. I really want to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals. If you're the Boston Celtics, what can you do to survive the series? Or maybe even just get it back to Boston. Well, the one thing you have to do is you have to die by the superstars. You die by the superstars. If Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both aren't shooting 30, 25, 20, 25, 30-plus shots, you need to live and die by your superstars. I don't think Boston does that enough. And especially when it gets late in some of these situations where it's important with that, I I, I think that needs to happen. And, and I, I want to see the ball in Jason Tatum's hand more. I think Jason Tatum, one thing he did fantastic, especially the Sixers series, was he was great at creating for others. He created for others fantastically. He, he hasn't done that as as well in most of the games. I think he was... In game two, he was great, 34-13-8, an efficient night. But, I mean, they just have to play better, too. I mean, it kind of just comes down to your stars need to play better. I mean, game three, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both combined for 12-35. I mean, that's not going to work. Uh, they just need to be better. I think that's sometimes the most important thing is just sometimes you just need to be better. And Boston just has to play better. And it's time for Joe Mazzula to just... Figure out a way to get them going. So I, I think they're confused. I think obviously this has been such a shock for Boston. I think that that's even a part of it. That it's just a, a shock that they're even in this situation. So, I mean, that's the interesting thing. But yeah, it'll, it'll be very interesting. See what they decide to do. I, the, the other interesting thing that I thought came out today was that uh, the Milwaukee Bucks have made their final three coaches in their new hiring process after they fired Mike Budenholzer, which I did not think was the right decision. But they're down Nick Nurse, the ex-Toronto coach, Vinny Atkinson, former head coach and current Golden State assistant coach, and Adrian Griffin has been on Nick Nurse's staff with the Raptors for the last four years. He's kind of been this steady kind of guy now, but it's it's interesting to see why. And I, I think the one thing that I would really like, and I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is not the superstar who's going to say, put me on him, let me do this. He's going to trust his coaches. I think this is where Nick Nurse is a perfect hire. Very similar to Kawhi Leonard, in my opinion, where Kawhi Leonard wasn't necessarily the only team that was, or, or excuse me, Kawhi wasn't the only player that was, I need to guard him, I need to guard. He, trust, he trusted Nick Nurse, and that's how they won. They, he had some faith in them, and they ran some different coverages, certain things like that. I think it's a good fit for Giannis. He'll trust Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse wants to be a little bit more hands-on, really run his stuff make his decisions. I, I think that's a very good bit. But obviously these coaching situations are interesting with Phoenix, Philly, 
Detroit, Toronto, all looking for new coaches right now with Milwaukee. It's interesting because obviously there's been some talk about Nick Nurse to Phoenix and Philadelphia. So it'll be interesting to see where that ends up. I do think Nick Nurse's best fit, though, is in Milwaukee. When you have a superstar like Giannis, who won't sit there and complain a lot. It's just who, not who Giannis is. Not who Giannis is. We saw a fantastic PGA Tour. PGA Championship, excuse me. With the winner of Brooks Kepka. I, I bet Brooks Kepka before and during. I ended up winning $2,000. That was fantastic, but he just took over. And one thing that was really interesting to me, it, it was very interesting was that Brooks complained about the pace at Augusta when he lost in the last round. That was, yeah, we understood it. He had to wait. He was frustrated. After round three in the conversation with CBS, he said, I have a couple of things I'm thinking about doing. I'm going to change, change my mentality. I'm going to change some things this second time around. And what he was deciding to do was, well, how about if I just Take a little bit extra time on my gimme. And he did. He took, he was marking some of the two-footers. But it was smart. The tee box in front of him. A couple times it was a little slower. He could tell. He was like, all right, I'm going to take a little bit extra time on this green to try to stay in the rhythm. And I think that was one thing that definitely helped him. Well, I mean, I didn't think he was going to lose. He's now five major championship established himself as one of the best golfers ever. And he'll continue to do that. But it's good to see him back. It's good to see him healthy. He's just him and Scotty Scheffler, two guys that Sunday afternoons for the rest of this year, especially in the two next majors, those are two guys that you do not want to see anywhere close to the top of the leaderboard because they're going to win. And it's that simple. They're going to win, and they made winning plays. That's why I, I thought the only guy that could catch Kepka was going to be Scotty. So it was that point, was he enough ahead of Scotty, which he ended up being, which Scotty was very unlucky. He had about three birdie, birdies that could have gone in. But I would say Scotty Scheffler wants another major hot take, but not a hot take, but hot take. He's just been so, so good. When we come back, we'll take a quick look at how the NHL playoffs are looking. Two interesting series that we've seen. These Florida Panthers. Two, two series that are also 2-0. Florida Panthers continuing this historic run, taking two in Carolina. As well as Vegas getting two done at home against Dallas. When we come back, we'll just look at those matchups. <laughs> Back to the Case Conley podcast, and looking at these two series in the NHL, we've seen Carolina after a historically long four overtime game in game one, where the Panthers edged out the Panthers and edged out again in overtime a little bit quicker within only a few minutes. But Matthew Tachuk scored his overtime winner, and it's been an interesting series, but I mean. Bobrovsky's gotten hot for the Panthers. 
and the Canes haven't produced a ton of offense. We'll see how they do that. I think the Canes bounce back in game three. I think they, they win. But it's an interesting series with with we knew how good Florida was on offense during the season. If they could figure out the defense and they have and they've just gotten hot, maybe they're just that team. With Vegas and Dallas, we've seen Vegas again two overtime games, three two and four three. We saw Chandler Stevenson won it in game two. So on game one, it was Brett Howden. A really interesting part of this game and part of this series is how important the goaltenders haven't been. I mean, I think especially when I look at Dallas, who Ottinger has been fantastic. I mean, he was seventh in goals, goals a game this year, tied for sixth and save percentage, third with the best record, five shutouts, which tied him for second, but he, they need him to just have a series and especially these next two in Dallas. So it'd be interesting. I think Vegas just has so much momentum right now. I actually bet Dallas at the beginning of this postseason to uh, win, win the West. Obviously I'm hoping they can still come back from that 2-0, but I think Vegas will get it done. I think going up 2-0 early, I just trust this Vegas team more. I mean, and it's kind of the opposite. I, I really like this Canes team. But right now, it's just, I think the Panthers are just a team of destiny. I think it's just with the Miami Heat. And sometimes we have just these guys that just a good team and they're just playing at an elite level at top. And that's really what the Panthers are doing. I think the Canes-Panthers series, I think the Canes have a chance to get these two, obviously. I think they're just a better complete team. But I mean, this is just a team of destiny for the Panthers right now. And when you have an offense like they have with the Chuck and when you have a hot goalie like Bobrovsky, sometimes that's the most important thing. We say ride that hot goaltender. And right now, they have the hottest goaltender in the world. So this was a great episode. When we come back, we will look at the NBA playoffs, how those have twisted and turned, and will we have completed series and a finals matchup by the next pod? We'll find out that. And I'm going to start uh, doing a couple uh teams each week during the pod and you can send in some requests for who you're looking for or talk about some of these nba teams and what what should their off-season strategy be especially the teams or the teams that are already eliminated is who we're going to start with but take a look at two to look at teams see what their strengths weaknesses are what assets do they have what do they need to do to improve this off-season one thing we're going to start bringing into and as we come into the dog days of summer we see the nba finish the nhl will finish and it'll be baseball so and we'll give you a little bit preview and recap of kind of the first quarter-ish of the season how everyone's looking what teams are impressive what teams are not keep your eye out on maybe some good betting betting spots or some teams futures odds we will be back on Friday. Thanks for listening tonight on the Case Conley Podcast. Instagram and Twitter, the Case Conley Podcast. Follow for extra content that I will update, as well as just scheduling and knowing whenever any episodes come out. Once again, thanks for listening. Another great episode, and I can't see 
wait to be back on Friday. See you then.